Well, it's time to talk solar again with Go Solar's chief executive and co-founder, Andrew Middleton. Today, we've got some practical insights for you on how to save money with your solar installation. Andrew, I feel like I'm a little bit of a, a missionary for you guys. Uh, I've told a, quite a few of my friends to come along to go solar and so far um i shouldn't say so far because i know there was one little hitch that we had from a business community member and congrats you guys sorted that out quick quick uh but everybody who's gone your route has been giving it a big thumbs up are you seeing that the momentum of for installations is actually growing Oh, well, thanks again for having me, Alec, and, and thanks for being such a good Go Solar ambassador. And yeah, so we always we always aim to to please, and sometimes uh, there are some glitches, but we always we proud ourselves of getting it right. I think when we last spoke, there was definitely a a, a downturn in momentum installations. We've seen that pick up quite nicely. So I think he uh, it was interesting. May June were record months, I think, for the industry. Ju- um, July was was quite a slow month and August a slow month, but September has turned around quite nicely. So, so we're looking forward to some positive momentum uh, into the end of the year, into summer, when solar actually can show a lot of the other benefits that it has, not just the um, the benefit of protecting for load shedding. When the sun is shining, it's going to be generating you lots of affordable, reliable, clean energy. So uh, we, we're looking forward to the summer months. Well, that's very much the case here in the Western Cape, where I now live, where we've had horrific winter the the people who have been around much longer tell me it's the worst winter they can remember it's been overcast a lot of the time does that affect the uh, amount of solar that you can draw generally uh, as a as a go solar client absolutely so uh, it's very much dependent on you know firstly the season has a it's a shorter day so there's less daylight hours in winter um in both, you know, all around the country. And, and yes, if there is the kind of rain that we've seen in the Western Cape, it has a significant impact on solar production. You still all get some production when there's an overcast day, but we've our solar data in the Western Cape the last three or four months, we, we don't need to read the news around record um, rain for our floods. We can see it on our customers. Uh, it's been a very tough uh, winter for solar in the Western Cape from a production perspective. Can you share any of those numbers with us? Well, um, I don't have uh, the aggregated data right in front of me. We can certainly do that on on a, on a next episode. But you know, it's it's considerably less. You know, almost half the generation we've seen in in the same months in Johannesburg and other areas. You know, up up north. So it, it does have a significant impact. Um, but we 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 think in in the summer months, the Western Cape is going to do very well. The longer days that they have down there as well. So it should even itself out. But certainly, a not a not not two or three months where you'll be saving a lot of money um, from a solar perspective, but you still get the other benefits being being protecting you from, from power outages. Andrew, how does it work from a usage point of view? We're going into, again, what the locals tell me is going to be a long, hot uh, Cape summer. So the sun will be shining a lot, lots of solar being generated. How much of that power, though, gets used? Because once the once the battery's full, uh, and once you've used whatever electricity you will during the day, presumably you don't just keep producing solar power. 
No, yeah, you're right. So the system is very smart. So it power needs to be generated and go somewhere. So first, what it'll do is it'll you know go into your house and 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 make sure that you you know whatever you're using on the load there is utilized by the panels. If there's excess and there's capacity in the battery, then it'll charge the battery. Um, and if there's nowhere for it to go, um, such as you, know, you can't feed into the grid just yet, or you can, but it's complicated, uh, then it'll effectively throttle the panels and they'll be wasted um, daylight hours, essentially. So that's why it's very important that there's a bit of load management that comes with um, with solar. And I'll explain what I mean by that. And that's effectively shifting your, or finding ways to shift your energy consumption into those daytime hours. And most households, you know, wake up in the morning, that's the peak, have your coffee, have your shower. Um, that's There's a spike in energy demand. And then later on in the evening is when the spike happens again. And that's why we include batteries in all of our systems so that we make sure we can store some of that energy when you're not at home and you can use it in the in the non-solar hours. But there are very, they're, they're, they're nice products in the market, plenty that will help you optimize when you heat your water up. And, and also there's a, a behavioral aspect where you try and um, incentivize customers to, you know, put the appliances on later in the morning, ut- utilize your air cons in summer. Air cons are great for solar. Pool pumps are fantastic for solar. You run those during the day. So there, there's lots of ways that we can help uh, customers use it more efficiently and we're working on, on some smart ways to do so. And boreholes as well come to mind. I guess anything that's, that's energy uh, hungry try and run it during the solar hours. Uh, and then uh, uh, the other thing is how far can you, is it, can you safely drop the batteries to it at night? Cause I'm scheming here. I'm saying, well, mm, if I can get the batteries to a hundred percent during the daylight hours, then at night, as long as we don't go overboard, uh, if I use 50% of the battery, uh, would that mean that I wouldn't have to go, uh, to Eskom for any power. Yeah. So, so the, the, the manufacturers recommend it's it, usually you, you don't want to discharge them below 20 to 30%. And that's really just to protect the battery, not damage it. But that that's, there's still quite a lot there from going, you know, the, the 70, 80% that you utilize, there's, there's still plenty of battery there and you can always, you can always add more. Um, so yeah, I think, there is a possibility. Battery settings are very important, Alex. So we we offer certain battery settings on our app where you can you can set your battery up to discharge to the the minimum that's recommended, and then you'll get the maximum savings because you'll you'll always have um, battery capacity to take the excess solar in during the day. Um, you can also set it to keep your battery full, and we call that the protection mode. And that's when you've got stage six load shedding and poor weather, and there you. You, the household is generally less worried about the saving and, and more worried about keeping the lights off. And then we've got two modes in the middle, which is our, our balance mode, which effectively tries to balance the savings component with the load shedding component. And then we have our, our newest version, which is Go Solar Managed, which is effectively we, we will change the settings for you based on on the different levels of load shedding, which is which is hot off the press. So battery settings is very important because you. If you keep your battery too full and you're too conservative, you won't generate as much solar, you won't save as much money. But if it's too low, you might um, lose your power. But that's a it's a, a wonderful offering that you're talking about now because I, I think about myself. Uh, sure, if I apply my mind, um, I'll be able to achieve the savings. But 
often you get distracted, you forget, and then there's some load shedding and you'll be left without power, which kind of defeats the whole object. So is it pretty easy then just to get hold of your guys and say, please manage the, this for me? Yeah, yeah. You can get hold of us or um, we can set you up on our app. Um, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of our customers don't know about our app. We're trying to get it out there more and more. Um, it's a web app and we're going to convert that into a mobile app that'll be easier to, to download and, and use. But you can also set it yourself if you don't want to call us or email us. And I think we, we, we're trying to encourage customers to go that route so that they it's easy. It's instantaneous. Effectively, it's a few clicks on your phone and there you go. It's amazing how we've become so conscious of electricity in South Africa. They're growing up. Lots of people, I remember my father, because he came from the north of England, he would always switch off lights when he went into a room and he was he, he grew up tough and uh, he forced me to do the same thing, I guess. But Many of my contemporaries never really had those disciplines because I guess it was just so cheap. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I, I grew up in one of those households where I got into trouble if I didn't turn off the lights, so, so I can relate. Um, but yeah, it was it was really one of the one of the key selling points to invest in South Africa. Really, um, post um, post democracy was we had a, we had a very well run utility with excess power and very cheap power. So you could bring in aluminium smelters and big mines and all these good things and motor manufacturing. So we need to get that back. And I think it's, I'm very encouraged to see the generation capacity that's coming in from solar, wind, all sorts of fantastic new technologies. And we need to get the, we need to get our power, our electrical power base back. We can't grow this economy without power and, and households, it's, it's, you know, we focus on the household side. It's, Difficult to live without power. It's impossible to live without power. So you have to make a plan. Uh, but on the broader economy side, we need more electricity. Yeah. Well, we are certainly learning more and more. Let's just get into a little bit of the um, the costs. Uh, and we've got a couple of table, a couple, a couple of graphs um, that your guys have very kindly put together for us. I'm going to hopefully be able to share this one with you. Okay, well, let's just talk about it and the cost comparison. Uh, average cost per kilowatt hour in rands. When we look at this, we've got solar slightly more expensive than a city of Cape Town or city of Johannesburg, but a lot cheaper than a generator. Just take us through this. Sure. So, so what we've done and try to do here, we've, we've put solar as, you know, we've, we've labeled it solar. We're effectively talking about a, Subscription solar solutions, such as what we offer. If you if you did buy your own solar, you you would have you could also impute your own calculation in terms of your effective cost. And we've got a range there, so you can see there it's it's a three rand fifty to four rand per kilowatt is the current range that we are are producing at. The reason why there's that range is because of the first part of the conversation we spoke. About. If you use your solar well, you should be getting it down to to. You know, I'm as low as three rand per kilowatt. I've, I've done a post on LinkedIn about this to show my own house is, is I'm, I'm down to what, three rand per kilowatt. So if you look at that range, it means city of Johannesburg, if you use your solar effectively, we're at, we're essentially at parity with city of Joburg. So right now, um, if you use your solar well, the incremental cost of a solar subscription doesn't cost you anything. You get it for free. Um, and that's quite exciting. That's a really big news for Johannesburg. I'll talk about Cape Town now, which is even better news. But that's really, really exciting news for Cape for Johannesburg, because um, that means effectively solar is free. 
Um, you get benefits of load shedding going green, and you've got the the hedge of the future prices. Um, but but you have to use it correctly, otherwise there's still that small premium. Next year, the the regulators already announced thirteen percent increases, so that'll push Janusberg right past the parity mark. So uh, then we can con- we can confidently say that that solar used correctly will be cheaper. Cape Town is already through that parity mark. the the tariff The highest tariff in Cape Town is already four and twenty. So you should really be saving money in the city of Cape Town with your solar. Again, you know, companies need to help consumers use it properly, make sure it's well set up, make sure it's clean. We'll talk about, I think, some of those tips at the end. But it's very important that it's used correctly and it's installed correctly and monitor it for you. If you do that, then you should be be saving money. So I think that we're at a really, really exciting juncture for uh, solar energy. It's it, There's been huge adoption on the basis of backup, and I think we're now going to start to see consumers shift towards it more as a cheaper, reliable source of energy, not just a load shedding. So it's very exciting times. On the right there, that's the diesel effective one, which is quite frightening. A lot of people still have their diesel generators, and they say to us all the time, I've spent this money on this diesel generator. I want to use it. I've, it's capital I've used. I think what they don't appreciate is it's sunk capital. So you've spent it. You can't recoup it. And the marginal cost of electricity is nine to ten rand per kilowatt hour. That excludes maintenance, and that excludes all the other intangible things like noise and keeping diesel and that inconvenience and hassle. I mean, that's quite you know. So it's it's twice as expensive as as using the grid power, and it's almost three times as expensive as solar from a marginal cost perspective. So even if you have some capital into it, you really should not be. Uh, generating power that way it's just far too expensive and diesel prices as we know are unfortunately going up and up and up and your neighbors will be delighted if you actually get rid of your generator because that is the one thing that uh, you can't actually uh, cost it out the aggravation factor of the uh, of the noisy guy next door uh, then long term long term and there's another uh, lovely graph that your your guys have put together for us um and you'd look here, your graph talks about over 20 years. How quickly, though, does a go solar subscription? And remembering, for those who don't, haven't really been following the story, that you install it, you guys pay for the installation, uh, we rent it from you, and if you ever want to stop renting, you give it back to you, you have a deinstallation cost. How much is that, by the way? What, what, what would it typically cost to, if, if I... Uh, found a better alternative than go solar it depends on the on the product um but it it it, it typically is between seventeen thousand rand and and up to twenty five thirty thousand rand so a lot of people look at that and say that's quite a large number and it is a large number for for ourselves we do appreciate that and we'll obviously look at ways where we can try and reduce those uh, those fees um as and when we have the ability to the reason why there's a deinstallation fee is is because we offer that flexibility of month-to-month cancellation. So you can cancel. We can come in and bring in a team on site for a day, install it, and then you can deinstall a month, two months, a year later. Um, so we don't charge for that team to come in initially and the team to come in um, and the components that get put on around the solar that we use. So a lot of the wires, a lot of the consumables can't be reused. And then there's a team coming to take it down. Um, and... We don't make any money out of the deinstallation fee. That's really just there 
so that we can recoup costs and we can take the asset and we can do something else with it. Yeah, yeah fair enough. Okay, so let's have a look uh, at that uh, image. When does it start becoming a really good proposition? Well, yeah, I think what the first page hopefully does shows is it, we think it's right now that it's it's a really good proposition because we really very much at parity point for Cape Town and I would say for those that are using this so efficiently in Joburg, we're at parity point and we can do this analysis for a lot of the other cities and we're very close to parity. So right now, we think it's a no-brainer. You, you're not paying more for your effective kilowatt of electricity and you get all the other benefits. And as time goes on, and this is a this this just is an illustration. We've used some assumptions behind this, but as this goes on, we've assumed here that that a solar subscription like Go Solar should should be anywhere between sixty and seventy five percent of your energy bill going forward. So we've used sixty five percent, and that sixty five percent escalates, you know, at a at a low rate at a CPI linked rate. Whereas what we've seen with um, with Eskom Power over the last ten years is that it's gone up double digits, sometimes three times that of, of inflation. So effectively what this is trying to show is there's a hedge. Not only are you getting clean power and, and relief from load shedding, but your electricity bill with solar going forward over 10 to 20 years will start to compound. It obviously looks really good at the end, but right now we think it makes sense. Does it, or have you seen any benefit on the value of the properties where GoSolar has been installed? We think it's there's definitely value. It's quite an intangible value. There have been some studies to to show that there's some value attributable to it. I personally think it's quite difficult for um, someone who's purchased the soda to recoup that investment. You know, someone wants to buy your house, they just you know it, they pick up the number. I don't think you you're able to to negotiate a, a monetary um, premium, but I definitely think it makes your house more sellable and more attractive and if you want to rent your house out to tenants i think it's almost a must now that you've got some kind of um alternative energy source so that again is quite is quite a um a, a positive from a subscript from a subscription model if you are thinking about renting your house out or selling it in a year or two and moving somewhere else and you don't want to invest in solar and you won't get that um payback then going uh with a with this solution um gives you that flexibility and we get a lot of um, home transfer requests and majority of those of, of customers that buy homes from our existing customers or people that buy homes from our existing customers they take on the go service con contract because it's just one of those uh, bills that you take on board with your with your fiber and your and your city meets support rates yeah let's look at some practical solutions we've already spoken about how um, when we were kids uh, we switched off the lights when we went into rooms. Is it still such a big deal now with LEDs? Uh, I remember we we paid a lot of money to get um, the all the lights changed from as they were in the past uh, into LEDs, and were it was explained to me that they draw one tenth perhaps of the electricity that that the old fashioned lights drew. Absolutely, I mean, solar is one part of having an efficient home. It's it's a good part. But you must, households must consider things like LED lights. Absolutely. I think LED, yeah, as you say, 10% of the energy use, they last longer. Makes a lot of sense. I still think you shouldn't just leave lights on uh, for no reason, but, you know, LED lights are definitely a lot 
a lot friendlier on the consumption. I think there's other useful tips. I think very importantly, when when the installation is done, it's it's important that the the positioning of the solar panels is in the right place. That's that's paramount. You, you want to make sure that it that you get the max uh, solar exposure. It's not always north facing. A lot of our customers tell us it has to be north facing. Sometimes it's, it's in coastal areas, you know, an east west uh, orientation all makes sense. It all depends on where you are, what your garden looks like, and and, and we'll work that out. Um, I think the time you use uh, energy, we've spoken about that. So try and shift your uh, your consumption habits. Um, appliances is another big thing. Um, and it, together with LED lights, I think when you look at the newest fridges, the newest microwaves, they've got energy ratings on them. They very they have to show those energy ratings these days and go for an energy a high energy star rating. I think that's going to help with overall uh, power saving uh, needs. How, how does that work? Would you would you explain that the the energy star ratings? Is it is it a five star being a good one and a one star being a bad? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. As simple so that, as that. that oh, yeah. Exactly. So it's really just the 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 more efficient they are, the, the less power they consume. Um, and things are just getting um, better and better, all sorts. Yeah. But like aeroplanes, uh, we remember that the airlines all try to upgrade to more modern aeroplanes because they use less fuel. Uh, presumably, it's the same thing with appliances. But should you be switching off appliances when they're not in use? Um, yeah, there's, there's definitely certain things that you should switch off because some do draw some power and, and you know things like unplugging your your cell phone charger, you know, it does continue to pull power. They're not material drawers, but, you know, if you are looking to really, really save every last kilowatt, then yes, you can do those um, those types of things. Using energy, um, high energy star rated appliances also means we can put more on your solar system. So that's always the debate around non-essentials, essentials. What can I put on the solar? Because you're always limited by what the inverter capacity is. Now, if you have um, microwaves that, Pull less wattage or kettles that pull less wattage, then we can we can put those on, and there'll be no there'll be no concern of tripping. Um, another important piece is monitoring when you consume power and what you know when are your big power consumption events, and trying to see if there's any things any things you can improve. Most of the time, before a customer's got their solar, they're completely uh, in the dark uh, when it comes to when they use power. They just get their bill every month and they pay it. And, uh, you know, we all know there's issues with that too, um, with billing uh, accuracy. The The beauty of solar is you always it always comes with a monitoring app and you can see when you're consuming, what were the good days, the bad days, when were the, when were the times where you can maybe consider shifting power, you can see you were generating power and you didn't have solar, so now you were using lots of grit and you were pulling lots of battery. So that kind of information, um, you know, makes the household more informed. Some households don't want to look at that and and just want to get on with life with solar. But we've got lots of customers that uh, spend a lot of time looking at the at the app, and and we and we like that because we we're solar nerds at Go Solar. We we love looking at the data. Well, there's lots of money involved, so if there's cash involved, I'm sure that it's it's enough of an incentive for most human beings. Maintenance? Should I be getting up on the roof and making sure that the panels are clean and or washing them down every now and then? Absolutely. So we offer cleaning uh, as part of our solution once a year. I think that there's room for more cleaning. Uh, up, up in the high felt in winter, uh, the difference I noticed with, with after my cleaning, just 
next day it was about 20% improvement. And that's because of the dust up in the high felt. Uh, coastal areas are getting often rain more throughout the year. So that does benefit coastal areas where you stay, Alec. But if you're close enough to the, the water, you also might get some salt residue sand. So depends where you are. If, you, if you're right on the beach, then I would consider cleaning more often. Um, but if there's, if there's regular rain, uh, then it should, it should take care of it for you. It's not, it's simple cleaning. Uh, it's just important that, that people clean during the, the right time of the day. You, you don't want to clean the panels when they're, they're very hot and uh, putting cold uh, liquid on them when they're very hot can, can damage them. So always best to clean in the mornings or late in the evenings. Well, we've learned a lot today. Hopefully saved a lot of money. Andrew Middleton is the co-founder and the chief executive of Go Solar. I'm Alec Hogg from biznews.com.